Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. Here we are. Episode 100. Kind of crazy. Can honestly say when Joe and I started out a couple years ago, we never really imagined getting to episode 100. So it's a huge testament to you, the listener. Thank you for sticking with us for all these. And obviously our guests and the communities that have been engaging with these conversations and some of the behind the scenes stuff of these conversations leading to action have been incredible and really motivate us to do a hundred more and just keep going because the the actionables have been so motivating and encouraging and we hope this episode which is the the culmination of the little future mini series does the same and our guest dr tim flynn from colorado in motion from eim is a really good hundredth episode guest because he has a vision for the future and i think a lot of you will agree with it can't wait to hear what you think of this episode also come on now this is the hundredth episode so we've got to give some stuff away stay tuned check out our facebook page of doc media we are having a giveaway we're giving away 100 dollars Amazon gift card, two $50 Amazon gift cards, and Kelly Starrett Deskbound Books. Head over to our Facebook page, UpDoc Media, for all the details. And now, let's get into 100th episode with Dr. Tim Flynn. Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Dr. Gene Sharakabrad here with Dr. Joe Palmer, Dr. Erson Religioso. Guys, this is a special one. It is. A very, very special one. This is a special episode in, in a lot of ways. First, this is episode 100, which I'm pretty sure that's a big deal, right? When you hit 100 of anything, you should usually celebrate it, acknowledge it. Do, do something when you get to 100. It's our centennial episode. That's, that's, uh, that's a pretty cool thing. I uh, can't say that I thought about the 100th episode when we started. No, you and I were not thinking about much much of anything <laughs> when we started. Um, so to get to this point is a bit of a miracle in itself. But yes, 100 episodes in. Now, now we definitely got a guest today that... Is, is is right up there to justify being in episode 100. So so we got that covered. But before we before we get to our, to our guest, let let's throw out some more numbers. Um, do a little humble brag here because we, we don't really talk about it a lot. And um, I think a lot of it you have to say thank you to our listeners. You have to say thank you to the physical therapy community for tuning in and listening and sharing and, and helping us helping us grow and, and most importantly engaging. So aside from this being episode 100, we also passed 300,000 downloads. Wow. No, dra- dramatic pause. 300, Joe, That's not even, not even getting to 100 episodes, 300,000 downloads. I didn't know, I didn't know our mothers used the computer that much. That's, you know. Well, we have, we have dads too. So. Right. Yeah. That's a lot, of, that's a lot of downloads between our family. I have a lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> About a half of those servers right. kids downloading right. it. Um, so that's that's insane. You know, it, it's 
the more I, I get excited when I think about that, that we've been downloaded 300 times or 300,000 times. Um, but to me, that, that's incredible support from, from our community. And I think that's also a testament to some incredible guests that we've had. Absolutely. And they're not just doing it for us, right? God knows they didn't, don't want to listen to you that much. No. So <laughs> I don't even, want, just, I don't even <laughs> want to listen to myself that much. I'm just waiting for the uh, the Instagram post. The the we just hit the one third of a millionth download, but the one third <laughs> is really small and the millionth is really big. <laughs> yeah, you like that. Yeah, hey, look, people look, were like, "Is that serious?" Marketing. I'm like, "Yeah, it's serious." That's really serious. Like, wow, you get a million downloads. Well, if you really look closely. Right. You gotta read the fine print. It's a quarter of a million downloads. But look, I think that's the next logical goal is to go and really set that million mark and, and, and hit it hard. What do you guys think? All right. Goal. The million's gonna be here much faster than the first uh, third of a million. The next two thirds are gonna come twice as fast. I think so too. We, we, are, we are growing steadily. We get more and more downloads every month, and um, again, I think it's a testament to our future. It's a testament to uh, the new new grads and students really, really uh, bringing and, and kind of adopting technology and listening and, and really going beyond how they absorb content and information. So um, we're really excited about that. But that, you know, that's the future. The future is hard to predict, but it's also really important to talk about and this is kind of this mini series that we've been on so we, we, we you and i have started this um you and Nurson started this whole series a few weeks back and uh, we've had kelly starrett on we've had heidi Janenga and nancy ham on with WebPT talking about the future of technology so it's only natural guys that we talk about the future the clinical future and who better to talk about the future the clinical future of physical therapy and healthcare on a larger extent than our guests. So, Orson, please do the honors on this 100th episode of, of introducing our world-renowned clinician guest. Whew. Boy, I'm sweating here. All right. Tonight, we Don't are... Oh, how can I mess this one up? We are honored to have a returning guest, Dr. Tim Flynn. I think it's his... This is where I'm going to screw it up. Is it his third time on second time oh okay well second time feels like the third time this is the first one was like two episodes worth of amazing content so if you're not familiar with tim uh he's a researcher he's a clinician he owns um he's a, one of the founders of evidence in motion uh who i like to call the avengers of uh research and um healthcare uh con ed in the United States, they have a ton of amazing programs, and um, you know Joe is a EIM what your EIM clinic, right? Affiliate, yeah, we're, affiliate. we're an affiliate clinic. Yep, and I am an EIM fellowship mentor, so uh, we like EIM here at UpDoc Media and Therapy Insiders. Tim, welcome. Yeah, welcome. You still listening to us when you're running? I'm still listening to you guys when you're running, and thanks for that kind introduction, and thanks for being part of the tribe of EIM and uh, and continuing to kind of push the envelope and uh, keep keep the energy, I guess, out in the in the world of clinical practice. So that was a pretty 
heavy introduction. Fortunately, um, I'm drinking Odell's uh, Levity Amber Ale, and as I drink it, it has um, this guy with uh, kind of floating with his uh, Birkenstocks flying up off the Colorado mountains, and so I guess that's an appropriate beverage for the hundredth episode of this podcast, which I'm extremely honored to be a part of. Celebrate it right, Tim. That's that's good. All right. Um, it's it's interesting though that you that you talked about. Uh, Bring, bring in the energy that uh, I I think that that is something that uh, needs to needs to happen uh, in in physical therapy and, and and pushing pushing the envelope and bringing the energy forward I, I think that uh, as we look to what the future holds um, we we need to make sure that that we have have those people in positions and and uh, ready to carry carry the torch and and lead uh, with with a passion. Yeah, I think that you know that I what has been I know this is a futuristic talk tonight, and I think what's been a rallying cry. I mean, we you know we've been talking about the overutilization of drug surgery and imaging for you know fifteen years, twenty years, and you know it's finally sometimes there are bifurcation points that happen. And clearly, the opioid epidemic is that point. And I think finally, the message to physical therapists, where we used to say, "Oh, if I didn't get this referral, you know, it's it's not my problem," you know, or you know, this healthcare stuff, you know, it's it's not really my problem. I'll just do good with my patient before me. The ones I get, I'll try to provide great care, which I do, um, but we were timid in stepping out into and pushing our agenda forward in terms of getting PT first mindset, knowing that it's been out there for decades. I think this, this has finally been a rallying cry where you begin to realize that your role as a physical therapist, especially as a doctor of physical therapy, you have a role in society. And that if you do not push out and state the facts that seeing physical therapy first decreases your likelihood of drugs, surgery, and, and imaging. And you're not out there chanting that to not the old way of just to referral sources, but to friends, family, around, you know, the tough Thanksgiving conversations, you know, are really about physical therapy and health care and about getting the right care at the, for the right person at the right time. And I think that that's really where this podcast and the voices and social media, we have an opportunity, but more importantly, we have a responsibility that to move forward and to actually make a difference in musculoskeletal care in this country. And by being timid, you know, I would say it's not true, too dramatic to say those harms, those harms, we own them just as much as Purdue Pharmaceutical and the big pharma industry because we didn't fight and do our part in saying we have a role here and you don't get into those heavy risk procedures without seeing us first i like that do you think um here's here's my concern that it's just a nagging feeling that i've had about about some of this stuff i feel like it's it's been Physical therapy is better than physical therapy. It, 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 it's always comparative. Mm-hmm. 
can we, or do we, or when do we, kind of stand out on our own and say, this is what we are good at. This is why you need to see us. And, and I get kind of creating a relative um, narrative that we'll save money versus surgery, or obviously it's a lot safer than, um, than opioids. And, I, and those are great. I'm not, I'm not saying those are not good campaigns and those are not good messages, absolutely. But how about creating a message of putting us as a, a singular, powerful uh, profession without a, a relative comparison? Yeah, I, first of all, I like what you're saying. And I think I don't disagree. I think there are times when you have to, sometimes you can break the rules and sometimes you have to play by the rules. This evidence-based paradigm is the, is the rules of engagement, if you will, that look at risk benefit, cost benefit. And that by its very nature becomes comparative. And I think the fight there happens in with decision makers, payers, um, uh, guidelines, etc. That you know, if we're gonna fight, we have to we have to be able to be competent in that arena. But I agree with you. That is that is really a you know a, not even a first step. It's a necessary step. But the bigger issue is really, you know, what is our role in healthcare? And I say healthcare. I mean, really, we are movement specialists that are should be entry point to and ongoing care providers, uh, as we've talked about previously in terms of, you know, annual physicals and annual check-ins or by uh, twice a year check-ins with with patients and really directing them on their health status. I mean, people are crying for a different way forward. I really believe that. It, it, it is the time couldn't be better. People are, you know, the skepticism of, all, of many things is high. And we need to, I, I agree with you, we need to be better at, at, at that overall sale. But at the same time, I think it's critical with some things right in front of us, we, we have to get into that comparative argument. You brought up a great point. Actually, this was a, a social media question that I would love to hear everyone's perspective on. Uh, Jamar Perales asked, do you think that having annual PT checkups would be something that will occur in the near future? And is it an idea that is feasible or worthwhile? What do you think, Tim? Well, I think it's already happening. Um, I would hope that most of the listeners, anyone that they've contacted in the clinic, that, you know, that they the their final um, you know visit for this episode that they they schedule a follow-up in six months um, for instance to to check on this and any other uh, aches and pains you might be having so I would hope that's within our that's just changing our behavior I mean that 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 happens today I think some folks are better at it than others some clinics are probably better at it than others but that should be just a you know, that campaign would be a, a good one to start, kind of gets to your point that, you know, why aren't, isn't every physical therapist embracing that? We still have this mindset of, you know, kind of discharge, which, you know, it's like, what do you mean discharge? I mean, I was in the military and I got discharged. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, you don't discharge a 
patient. I mean, you fin finish an episode of care and, you, you know, just like dental or whatnot, you know, you make your follow-up in six months and see how you're doing. And that follow-up could be electronic. It could be um, in person. Um, but, you know, there's, there's continual follow-up and engagement. Sure. And Joe, I think you made a point like 70, 72 or 73 episodes ago, something like that, um, that we need to be, we need to be the PT. We need to be, you know, I have my PT versus I'm getting PT. Transition from we are a service to we are ingrained in the person's day to day, in, in, their, in their community, in their way of life, in their, in their Rolodex, so to speak. Does that fit in into kind of annual mindset as well yeah i think that would help uh to create that that kind of um an impression where where there there's a relationship an ongoing relationship because um, that's essentially what it is uh if you have if you have a dentist um it's because you're going to go back to that dentist uh for for an annual or uh you know every six month visit um and so I just, uh, to me, um, that's, that's something that uh, it's, really, it's really more of a question mark for, for PT. I, everybody would like to say that, you know, 100% of their patients come back. But I, I just, <laughs> I, I feel like that, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not the model that we have right now. And the next time they get injured... Uh, they may go to to whoever their their doctor tells them tells them to go to. So what um, do we offer? What what do we offer to that patient? What do we say as a okay? We, we we want you to come back every year. What what is the sell to to come back every year? How do we word that? Well, I, I think that um, when when you look at when you look at what they want, they they have to they have to be ready to to commit to to their to their health to their to their physical activity to they have to to see that us uh, as not just a resource that they can use when when they're injured um, but as as a provider that can can help them uh, to achieve goals um, past past rehabilitation um, uh, and I think that that that's 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 what they buy they they're not uh too often when when they're out of pain uh you see you see people uh start canceling appointments or, or falling off the wagon they're you know and and you you call them and you say oh well, i'm feeling i'm feeling great now uh, and i think that uh too often we're not we're not pushing that well yeah you're feeling great now um but we we really we really just put a band-aid on what's going on we didn't we didn't we didn't solve your issue you're going to be back in six months you know for is, for is, but is it also is it also the relationship so to me I, I see i see the real sell as the relationship so if somebody comes to you the first time with pain you help them out in three to six to eight sessions whatever it is if they're not through surgical and they get better and you say look obviously come you know give me a call if you, if you get injured or if you're in pain or something like that if not Come on in in a year. Let's sit down. Um, let's talk. We'll kind of audit your year to see how things have gone. We'll see what worked. We'll, we'll see what what didn't, and then we'll create a plan together. We'll talk it through to make sure that you stay healthy, not not stay out of pain, not prevent injuries, not any of that, but that you will stay 
help. Is that enough? Is that enough, person? Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about the future of PT, I'm, I'm all about alternative business models, and it's something that I've adopted into my own cash-based practice. Um, you know, not only do I think cash-based is one of the futures of PT, but not everyone has to go into that. But I think that um, if you if you if you choose to stay within network, you still uh, need to have alternative models like wellness, right? Like um, like the the feel good clinic. Uh, from Mike Eisenhart, right? Like they offer wellness and they do they do blood draws. Um, they have someone who does blood draws and they, they um, Mike knows how to analyze someone's blood work and they give dietary counseling. Um, but it's not it's not physical therapy, but it's something they offer as a side business at their practice. So you know it's something that um, that I've looked into and I think that just one of those things that it, it's kind of like you need to have a patient keep on coming back because like Joe said, I think too many PTs, uh, patients start to fall off when they're pain-free or or they discharge them when they're pain-free. But I remember uh, Rockabato once told me it's not it's not no pain, no patient. There's still a lot of things you can do for someone as a PT and it's it's more than just movement. It, it could be they still have, they're pain-free but they still have high fear avoidance. Um, it could be that they have poor nutrition, they have poor sleep habits, and their poor sleep habits uh, could be causing re-injury, re-injuries or recurrent injuries in sports. So I think there's a lot of things we can do from a wellness and health perspective. And, and um, you know, PTs kind of stop at movements and when someone moves better, but they don't they don't look at the overall picture or that patient's ecosystem. And I think there's, there's a lot of opportunities there for people, for uh, clinicians. You know, it's I, I think that um, first of all, I agree that there, there's multiple ways to go there. But I, I think if you just look at yourself, I mean, you know, when you, you know, yeah, we should get a twice a year checkup with the dentist or, you know, or once a year cleaning, whatever it may be that you're on. I mean, you still often won't schedule that until you get that in the mail or you get the email or you get the phone call. And you're like, I know I should do that. And I, I it's the same way with folks on physical therapy say, hey, we need to, you know, to, we just need to come in for your, your wellness check and, and in, we have you scheduled, we have some openings at this time. And just making it easy to do. If there's a relationship, it's not, it's not a sell, right? You've shown your value that's beyond, yes, pain and movement for sure. But if you're not having discussions about, oh yeah, you know, this is this is great meditation app. Have you been using this? Um, telling your clients that you're seeing that. You know, ha- are you coming in? We have this other class going on that you might be interested in. So that ongoing engagement makes it a lot better. And no practice of any type, uh, you know, of any has 100% of their people come back. But what we're trying to do is get people to understand there's a healthier way forward, and that. I think you, you know there's multiple ways we do that, but clearly it's it, we have to get out of this mindset of you know, when you're hurt you see PT. Clearly, we need to do that to save some of the the disasters happening on a large scale health system. But from an ongoing professional perspective, you know, fully embracing wellness and all that at that means is uh, is a very different. I agree with you guys. It's a very different animal that we have tools, just as good as tools of anybody else. In fact, we're better equipped than physicians to do that. I mean, when you look at their training, um, uh, again, we're much better equipped uh, to, to provide uh, many of the wellness services. 
I, I think the big thing, the the big barrier, uh, is is still um, when you look at the, at who pays for that service. Uh, you're you're transitioning from a from a PT model, which uh, in most instances, uh, most instances right now, uh, is uh, an insurance based reimbursement system uh, to something that is going to be a, a cash pay uh, for for very similar services you're going to do a very you're going to do a, you're going to you're going to you're going to see the same person you're going to sit down with them you're going to talk about how your year went they're going to do you're going to do some evaluation tests um, it, it's going to feel very similar to them um, I don't know that I don't know that people uh, get over that hurdle or that transition. Uh, if they're already cash pay, then uh, you know I, I think I think that that they don't mind they don't mind doing that. It, it's just another hour of your time that they're paying for, right? But um, the the price point on something like that uh, you need, needs to be equivalent to what you would get. Uh, at, at least equivalent to what you would get from for uh, reimbursement um, in in the in the physical therapy realm. So do we answer that perception? Do we do we like when people come in and say, "Okay, I paid my copay, I did this," and, and do we feed into that? Do we feed instead of pushing it and pushing awareness and, and, and kind of changing that conversation? Do we say, "Yeah, okay, you're right. I paid. You paid for this." Um, Let's just do do what you're here for and and move on because that that's kind of that's easier that that's that's mm -hmm. a, a bit of a comfort zone. How, how do we how do we move past that? I think that goes back to patient mindset. I mean, people often don't think of physical therapy as a commodity, but they're more than happy to pay twice as much as as a copay or even more for a personal trainer or for a massage therapist. And, you know, that's why I basically, when people ask me, what should I set my rates at for cash pay, for cash PT? I say, you know, what I did is I made myself more expensive than, than the most expensive massage therapist and personal trainer in town because my, I feel like my services should be seen as better. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I lost a lot of patients who just couldn't understand why I went out of network, but also I gained patients who see the value. And it's just, again, it's all about value. If they don't see the value, I'm not going to, I'm also not going to convince them of my value. Um, but I think it is, you know, it, it is a tough sell in, in some respects when someone has a $20 copay and they feel like they can get the same service. But I'm also not, I'm not going to waste my time. Like if I have to say, if I have to talk to someone on the phone for more than 10 minutes about why they need to come to see me, I, I already know I lost that person. Right. Um, so I guess I'm, what I'm saying is if if you've developed a relationship in a insurance based world, okay, and and but but you're gonna follow up with that same patient uh, and try to get them to do a an annual wellness screen, um, they're they're they are gonna have to get over that hurdle of of that a annual screen is gonna be out of their out of their pocket because uh, it's gonna be a long time before well uh, maybe not that long but. It, Insurance companies, some of them are coming around to the preventative uh, side of things, but uh, I, I I don't think I don't think it's going to be anytime soon that they're that they're going to pay for these things. I don't I disagree. I mean, you know, people come into our practice all the time. We we and we say, hey, we'll see you in six months. They come back, they don't even think anything of it. Uh, 
whether it's cash or insurance. I mean, you know, most plans, again, it's regional. You know, a lot of our plans are flat rates. You know, they're, um, you know, we're a low pay state in Colorado. It's not high reimbursement state. Um, flat rates, you know, their plans typically, they've got X number of visits per year. They can use start physical therapy services. Obviously, we have the third party media third-party players that are coming in there, the utilization orthonut kind of uh, people that come in that are been fighting in our state. But yeah, I don't think it's really a discussion on whether whether it's a, a cash versus a, a insurance because many of our insurance people are paying cash anyway because their deductibles are so high. It's a simple value proposition. If you're not providing value, then heck no, I wouldn't come back. I don't go back to the people that don't provide value to me. So I guess that's, I, I differ a bit that the, even the, the payment really doesn't fit into the discussion. The discussion is creating annual wellness. I think that's a, not the term that we, we sell it on. I think the terminology doesn't sound very well. It's just, you know, you come in for your tune up, we often say, and tune up and make sure you're, you're, you're doing what we need to do to, to keep you healthy. So I think a languaging can be part of the problem. I think PTs overthink stuff and uh, kind of like this discussion versus, you know, it's just how, how we do business and you follow up and some people do it and some people don't and, uh, and some people don't need to. You know, I say there's many people that don't need to see their physician for five or 10 years, okay? Um, I look at myself personally. You know, I do lots of things, but there are certain things, no, I don't need that. I've made a decision that on behavioral things that I'll do and other things I will not. And I help educate my patients in that. And some folks don't need to. Many of the folks we need, need to, to, to see us. And, you know, do we have that subgroup right away? No, we don't, but I don't think we need to worry about that at that time because there's so much, there's so much um, market share out there that that people clearly are willing to do this in our current system with no changes whatsoever. It's just a matter of our of physical therapists being better uh, better at showing and their value, but more importantly, articulating that value uh, to your client. And if if physical therapists break down their clients slash patients into subgroups, not subgrouping in terms of diagnoses, but subgrouping them in terms of their sociological uh, life, in terms of how they do things. So if, if you see golfers, right, then it's not a hard sell to tell these golfers, hey, come see me before the golf season starts for your tune-up. We'll check your T-spine, we'll check your mechanics, we'll see how you're, how you're playing. Same thing with baseball, same thing with sports, same thing with run. I mean, you, you can create, if, if, you, if you have systems, which I would say probably 90% of physical therapy businesses don't have these systems in place. You start creating these systems, it's not a hard sell to make it relevant to the person in front of you. It's not a, like you said, Tim, it's not just a, a, a bland, um, non-descriptive sell. You make it unique, you make it relevant to the person in front of you, and it, it doesn't become rocket science at that point. But you also have to believe what you're saying. You're not just saying it for the sake of making, you know, 60 bucks in six, in six months or a year. Right. It's Even if value. you were, yeah, the value would be you still also, and, and the program would be you start to present the patient that there are options to prevent this from happening in the future, potentially, uh, 
before the the quote unquote discharge, right? Because if you just present it with like in the last five minutes at the end of the visit when they're pretty much like, I, I was going to cancel this visit anyway, just that I'm a nice person, I wanted to see you again, then, then you haven't really sold them. But if you start to kind of present it or they even see other people in the program, like a knee rehab program or, you know, like you're doing kettlebell training or some sort of personal training or counseling, there's, there's that program is going concurrently along with their physical therapy. Um, and then you, you maybe even give them a pamphlet or you email them. You just, you just keep them continuously engaged, whether it's in the clinic or you, you send them letters or you, you know, you have like a, a monthly email that you send out because you should be keeping a list. I think all those ways are, are things that make it less of a sell because they, they will have seen it already as opposed to you just pushing it on them at the end. But you're right, most people don't have that as a system. Yeah, I think what was interesting too, I heard was this whole idea, it's personalized medicine. You know, we that is where we're going. We're, consumers want personalized medicine. And as you mentioned, you're saying before golf, before basketball season, mid, mid running season, whatever that may be, or before you're after, you know, a lot of where I see a lot of all older adults and I say, oh yeah, you got the grandkids for two weeks. Okay, schedule for that Monday to Wednesday after they leave, okay? Because I know you're not used to that much activity and work, you know? And so you connect it that way, you know, you're gonna need a tune up after that, you know, but go to town and don't worry about it, you know? Um, and I think sometimes we overcomplicate it um, when it's really just do what we do best, you know, make a connection. Um, understand what the value that we can provide and go from there. And I would like to say too that PTs, I think we're, since we're future talking, you know, we, we have to get more comfortable in challenging, you know, some of the pharmaceuticals that patients are on. I mean, you know, and again, we, we, we are not prescribers, but we are providers of information. And again, I often say, you know, the number of people that walk in that are on you know, a variety of different, different type of cholesterol lowering drugs is amazing. And we know that, you know, the number needed to treat for people with no history of heart disease, you know, you need to treat over a hundred patients to prevent one event in these people, you know, and one in 10 will have a side effect, you know, so the number needed to harm is 10 and the number needed to treat is 104. And that's the same number needed to treat as a Mediterranean diet. So in other words, if you go on a decent diet, here's your wrist panel, okay? And you don't have the side effects. If you stay on your diet, you're gonna take this and you're gonna get the side effects. You know, being comfortable with those conversations, okay? I'm not the prescriber of meds, but I am the prescriber of information. And information now is democratized and provide them the right sources to do there and say, you know, hey, have a frank conversation with your doc, but empower them with messages for that. But with that, that means we need to they, then, you know, this is behavior change and you're going to need to to make some lifestyle choices. And, um, you know, we can help you with that. That's such a great point. The, the whole piece about education and we, we keep talking about this over and over again, and it keeps being brought up. And there's research on it to show how important patient education is. And yet, somehow, we still have it integrated and how valuable it is. Because not only, yes, there, there's a ton of information out there now. People can Google, there, there's an information asymmetry, as we call it. But what we are is we are the relevance meter of that information. 
if the people have all this information, we can make it relevant to them. And like you said, Tim, I mean, that's such a great point. That somebody comes in and sits down and says, blah, 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 and you take all that and you make it relevant and you take out the access and you make it very much specific to them and, and, and honest and, and truthful and really helps them. That That's a lot of value. And then on top of it, you know, take a blood pressure, take a heart rate, take, take things that are actually that you can keep track of year after year because some of these people might not be seen as these people. If we want to be that gateway, if we want to be the primary care for a generation of people, then we should be doing things that track those kind of vital dimensions, right? And it's gotten so easy now with uh, technology. I mean, we'll see, again, the ability to have personalized medicine. I mean, you're the, you know, you're the keeper of your data, but then once we integrate that into our, you know, space, if you will, we can provide good feedback on how you're doing. I mean, I, I really think, you know, again, where a lot of the social networks are going and the micro networks, you know, Strava, for instance, you, know, you look at something like that where you're running and all of a sudden you got a community of people that are following you and you're following them and all of a sudden someone's watching you and you realize you actually push harder when someone's watching you and you're, you know, it's, we're going to have to leverage those much better into our, our practice. Uh, you know, there's movements towards that, but I think we need to adopt that rapidly. Um, and that again, creates value. There's ongoing, you know, uh, communication. Now the challenge is we get all caught up because the right thing is not always what's being reimbursed, right? I mean, you know, that's where the frustration happens. You know, we're, we're reimbursed for sickness, not for wellness. And, and that's, um, but I often say, you know, we still strive to do the right thing, then we'll figure it out along the way. That makes it unique. The majority will still do, and I think you know, that's the point Joe is making, is you, you still have to kind of figure out how, how to make money and how to get paid. I think the majority will stick to the traditional models, the, the traditional models and know that you're getting paid. Even if it's if it's pittance relatively, they will still get paid. Versus guys like like Orson mentioned, Mike Eisenhart and yourself, and, and some some of the forward thinking. Um, you're always going to have the uh, the kind of trailblazers, the early doctors that are willing to take the risk, that are willing to take uh, to step out to to kind of pave the way for someone. But thankfully, thankfully, those are coming up, and, and even more thankfully for the next generation, the PPTs and fresh grads, fresh PTs are seeing that, hey, if I'm going to get paid $60, $70, $80 um, a visit for patients, I have $150,000 in student loans that they're like sitting there with their calculator, <laughs> I'll be working for about 120 years before I pay off my student loans. Um, I'll take a risk. Let's see what happens. I agree that the, the risk taking is going to increase and we're going to see, I just see more engagement. I mean, there's just more connections of, of PTs that are seeing this, that yeah, we, we have to do things differently and are, are more energized. And we got, and we have, like you say, tribes of us that, you know, can nurture each other when times are down to kind of say, no, 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 no. It's the upside is so huge in what we're doing as a profession. Um, the the downsides just you know we, you know the the reimbursements have not followed that but you know uh, we can't let that 
we don't want to compromise what doing the right thing is. Um, and we just have to continue to constantly fight. And on a positive note, I'll, I'll just go slightly off topic. The, the Workers' Compensation of Colorado just uh, convened the, the guideline group for their chronic pain guidelines. And I must say, it's a multi, you know, I was fortunate enough to be to be on that task force, and it, you know, that it's a a very a variety group, a very a group of you know physicians and occupational health, PTOT, um, chiro, uh, psychology, psychiatry, uh, PM&R, very eclectic group. But what's very kind of a rallying cry to that group is clearly. You know, hearing you know people need you know more you know more hands-on care, more exercise, more you know psychosocial aspects of care, and they're they're tuned in. I mean, when you you know they they use the International Society of Pain uh, definition of pain. The the guy you know we're now talking about you know neuro therapeutic neuroscience education and pain management and some of this stuff that physical therapists that we've been working on for the last two decades and definitely in the last decade is now part of the conversation in realizing you know this is going to be part of how we're going to solve some of these very difficult problems it's going to be us you know uh in in driving the train for these things so i i say that you know there's a lot of movement um in this last decade we're starting to see an awakening, if you will, of, uh, of, of physical therapy and the offerings that, that can provide to, to society at large. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's, that's a great point. A lot we can do. There, there's so many opportunities. If, if, if you don't see enough opportunities in this profession moving forward as a researcher, you have, no, you have no room to be in this profession. There's so many things we can do and, if, uh, and, and so many things we can accomplish and grow into. So how about we finish out with some questions. We've had some social media questions and uh, speaking of students, we had a, a, a DPT student ask, uh, her name's Tara, Tara Gwaltney. She asked, what should DPT students be doing now, all capitals, to prepare for the clinical future ahead? What do you think, Tim? Okay, um, focus intently on being really good at what you're studying. Um, do not, um, you need to have deep work, um, stay engaged in social media, but do it in small bites. Um, do not be on it all day. Uh, like I tell my South students, it's, it is non-productive. You should be focusing on becoming a great PT. Connect with the outer PT world, but do it in, in chunks and, and teach yourself now how to be a deep thinker and be able to turn off the noise out there and then tune in when need be to stay socially in, engaged, socially in the physical therapy space. So that would be number one. Number two, without a doubt, is, you know, it's your first position will largely determine your trajectory. And even though you look at, you know, the debt load you have and how you're going out, your first year out of practice 
is going to be very influential on how you practice the rest of your career. So obviously I'm biased towards, you know, residencies and um, structured mentorship programs because it just accelerates the learning curve uh, going forward. So that, those would be my, my probably my two big uh, uh, comments for that great question. I like it. First, what do you think? Um, I always echo the the social media thoughts. I mean, obviously, I think social media did a lot for our careers, right, Gene? Um, but it, but it is easy to to get absorbed, and also, I would say, it's easy to get into a discussion, and it's also easy to get into an argument where everyone just starts insulting each other, and it just degrades into, uh, you know, like basically high school. Um, and everyone just starts picking on each other and, and it, it's no longer about science, it's just about what someone prefers and someone else being if a nobody dad. had a good experience in high school, why is everyone always <laughs> making this about high school? I had a really good experience. I just had this conversation with my wife. I had a really good time in high school. Why, why is it always high school? Uh, it was the university level for me. I don't know. I didn't hate high school. I just wasn't, uh, I don't know, I guess I wasn't one of the popular kids. <laughs> <laughs> You were doing all the bullying, huh, G? Yeah, Gene well, was picking on someone like me. Again, we're, we're devolving into these simplistic things about high school. I had a good time in high school. We played sports, and I had friends, and different cliques, and I, I don't know. I Picked on people. Maybe, maybe I lived in a bubble. Maybe I was just in a bubble where nobody got shoved into lockers. Well, all I was... Maybe, maybe I was just, I don't know. It was a unique time. It was magical. Right, but getting back to my point, I would just say, if you are getting upset at social media it's also time to you, you have to know when to turn it off and and I, I would say very rarely when you get into a debate if it's not healthy no one convinces someone else it, everyone just leaves upset so while it's a great way to get information there's a lot of good free information out there a lot of good blogs and podcasts um there's also a lot of misinformation out there there's a lot of guruism out there and, and you have to learn how to how to think critically and realize that uh, not any one person is right. Like basically everyone will say, if you follow my way, you'll get 80% of people better, but it's like everyone gets 80% of people better and everyone is just looking for that, how to help that last 20%, but there's not just one simple answer for that. Um, learn how to critically appraise research, but also research isn't everything. And, you know, I always echo the find a, find a mentor thing because you really need, you, you need to find a mentor um, in, in probably both business and clinic if, if uh, entrepreneurialism is your goal. It's, it shouldn't, it's not everyone's goal, but it may be. Like it. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, so um, I always say that uh, I, in school um, and in life, I, I think you get out what you put in. And, and so you, you got you to gotta take it seriously while you're there and, and really... Um, have a have a plan uh figure out figure out where you want to be what you want to do and and set manageable goals to to get there um that's and it put put the work in um there's there's nothing you can't do i, I think that coming out with a, a dpt uh you, there's there's you can look at you can look at the debt side or you can look at the the all the doors and the opportunities uh that are there so i, I think um have have a plan put in put in the work try to try to use your social media to to develop as many connections as you can 
um, while, while, while you're in school. Um, I, I <clears throat> tell any student that comes in I, I, to, to our clinic, I tell them um, that while, you, while you're a student, uh, it's probably the, the most receptive that any, any clinic owner, any, any corporation is going to ever be to you. Um, you, you they, the, all, all doors are, are, are open. Um, spend time uh, in, in any clinic that, you, that you're looking for to, to work in. Ask them to shadow, to, to spend some time there. Um, I, it, people are very receptive um, uh, to, to students, and I feel like that's a, it's a huge opportunity, um, and, and you should take advantage of it. Yeah, I like that. Mine's kind of a combination of, of, of all of them. It, it's, um, it, you know, it's strive to succeed and, and expect to fail. I think that those don't, don't like, don't prepare yourself, but expect to fail. And fail, failing isn't failure. It's, it's define, define what you're expecting to accomplish. Define what your success is. And then go after it and, and expect to have a roller coaster ride of ups and downs. And because downs happen, you need to you need to use use those as learning experiences like anything else. Take that and get ready for the up because the up always comes. And I remember um, John Child sharing the story. Tim, one one of the, your your EIM tribe members, he shared a story about the how EIM was created and how you know things fell apart a little bit. And then he had that moment of being at at that low point. And you you have two two options at that point. You sink down lower and you face the end, or you start to look up and say, "What are we going to do?" and work your ass off. And obviously, you know, EIM speaks for itself at this point. But I have never heard a hundred episodes in. We've spoken to some of the most successful people. I have never heard somebody tell a story of success going, "Yeah, you know, it was always easy. This, this was this was smooth, smooth sailing. No trouble at all. Yeah, ever." You know. I think I was just listening to a psychology podcast on my run. Sorry, I, you guys. I'm You're cheating on us. So you know, it's, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so, but yeah, it was. It was again that on that concept again of uh, of fitness. We, we we have no problem thinking about fitness and um, a bit of overload and then recovery, right? And overload and recovery makes us stronger. And again, that con you know, the concept of normalizing discomfort and that really, you know, when you're really struggling, you know, embrace it, uh, you know, when you're down because that you, then it makes you stronger coming out. Just like, you know, when you're struggling on, you know, a run, a lift, whatever you do for exercise, you're like, oh man, you're really down. It's the same way when we're down in other aspects of our life, you know, that's a training uh, training opportunity, and it's just a matter of reframing that into that perspective. Absolutely. All right. How about we finish out with one question for everyone? Same question. Start with uh, with our esteemed guest. What are you most excited about for the future of physical therapy and/or healthcare? Okay. What is my most excited about? For physical yep. therapy and the future of healthcare, and, and or healthcare, but right. yeah, mm -hmm. I'm excited that um, I believe the pendulum has is swinging, 
and that we've been we've been sold sickness for two decades, three decades even, by an industry that and a society that was willing to take and an industry that was willing to give uh, magic through through a pill. And that finally um, we look and say, well, are we happier? Are we healthier? Are we doing better? And this awakening is beginning to occur. And I see people saying, you know, yeah, our food supply's been poisoning us in many ways. Our things that were supposed to be making us better actually are making us sicker in many ways. And you know what? I'm going to take back my health and I'm going to actually think about the food I put into my body. I'm going to think about things like how I move and keeping moving throughout the day. I'm going to think about what mindfulness and being present in the moment does for my life and for those around me. And I really think we're going through an awakening period. And that speaks, you know, we are in the spot where our tribe of healthcare providers are really uh, our physical therapists, massage therapists, acupuncturists, other uh, mindfulness-based people, yoga therapists, people that are really saying, you know what, we're really in the healthcare space. And yes, it doesn't mean that medicine is going away. It's appropriate for certain types of conditions. But the vast majority of conditions uh, that face us in this country are not life-threatening, but they beat us down slowly. And you know what? We got great paths forward. So that's that's what I would say. I'll take it. Pretty good, Joe. Good luck. Good luck getting something better than that. Yeah, you can't have Urson follow that up. No, yeah. I have a little, bit, I have a little <laughs> bit more time to think. You can uh, take a while, Joe. Um, I'm I'm excited that uh, I think I think we have. Um, some i'm going back to the energy i i feel like uh the the people that are coming out of pt school are are, pa are are passionate and and are finding new uh ways to to demonstrate their passion for the for the profession um in in different different avenues than than were available in the past uh and and i think that um with with a new generation of PTs like that, um, our our message of uh, physical therapy first can really um, can really resonate, uh, and, and it it will have a voice because uh, because those those physical therapists will will be screaming screaming it. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Earth. Um. I have to echo a lot of what Tim said, but um, in, in hopefully my own way, I think that uh, the fresh PTs and the DPT students are much more engaged and have the ability to engage with each other and with clinicians like us, seasons clinicians. So they're at a much better um, they're in a much better place to be united and to have a much, to have a bigger voice and and drive the change that we need for the future. Um, they hear us talking about these opportunities, and it uh, many of them don't hesitate to maybe find you know a normal kind of nine to five PT job 
um, but then on the side start like a, a running performance um, and PT uh, thing on the weekends. You know, I just had I just had a business and, and clinical mentee do that. So I, I think that between all the opportunities in wellness, um, engaged consumers and informed consumers, and also the fact that um, on the clinical side, the things that uh, most modern guidelines are calling for, like we're PTs are still, we still have a lot of opportunities in the clinic. I mean, I always talk about alternative means of income, but we have all the opportunities in the world in the clinic too, because the guidelines have basically caught up to what we have to offer. You know, you, they, they have manipulation, they have mindfulness and uh, therapeutic neuroscience education in the guidelines versus like 10, 15 years ago, it was pretty much just like drugs and rest. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the things that were called for, whether it's concussion, the back pain, whatever the new guidelines are, I mean, you know, they actually call for our services. So I think there's still room for us in traditional clinic and there's a lot of room for PT in many different avenues. And I don't know, I'm just excited for it. I, I, I hope it will change and um, I hope more of us are uh, used to being primary care providers because I think that, you know, I've been at this 20 years and I think that like a lot of clinicians just get used to being tertiary and, be, and, and are comfortable with that. But I, I think that is really changing. Absolutely. And again, mine, mine is, a, is really a solid combination as well. And I think I am absolutely most excited about is the mindset shift that's happening that we're actually living through over the last few years, that this, this huge mindset shift of opportunity, of positivity, of, of our value. While, like Tim said, the pendulum is swinging, even though it's slowly, to the awareness of the public and the weight and our ability, not yet fully realized, granted, our ability to connect with the public and the awareness and the message that we can deliver. Once those two meet critical mass and hit a tipping point of, of mindset shift of our true value, plus our ability to go after it with the, with the public and raise their awareness and direct them, that this profession, again, like you guys have said, the opportunities are quite literally almost endless of, of growth. And, you know, it, it's already, even now, the industry is projected to grow 34% by 2024. If we add some of those elements, like there, there's gonna be absolutely no jobs that, even though we have like 1.2% unemployment rate, but everyone will have a job. Everyone will, the demand for PT will be insane. Insane, I tell you. Sounds crazy. Crazy topic. All right, guys. Tim, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for being our 100th episode guest. It, it, it's, been, it's been a crazy ride and um, look forward to, to the next 100. Indeed. Thanks for having me, you guys, and have a most awesome uh, next episodes. And hopefully, you know, I, I wouldn't mind being the centurion uh, and come back for episode 200 if you guys will take me. Deal. We might even have you back before that. All right. <laughs> but definitely for 200. <laughs> Done. We need to start recording five episodes a day. Get them on <laughs> All right, Tim. Uh, if our um, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, see some of the latest research, anything EIM related, where can they find you? Um, on Twitter, they can find me at Timothy W. Flynn. On Twitter, um, you can find me uh, 
occasionally on the evidenceinmotion.com on the blog there. Um, you can find me in Colorado at coloradoinmotion.com in the clinic. You can find me if I'm down in Tennessee with our South College students down at South College in Knoxville. Um, but probably Twitter's the best way to grab me uh, and then and go from go from there. Or some nearest dance floor, Tim. Yeah, you got some crazy dance moves there, my friend. Oh, well, I try to. I try to. You know, um, uh, but as my wife often says to me during when I'm playing music or dancing, she very seriously will say, Tim, uh, what what you lack in talent, you make up for in confidence. And uh, that that's not a compliment. <laughs> yeah, a little backhanded compliment, but that, that would be a story for another day. We'll when, save when we got that for out of the day. VIP dancing area at PPS. Good times. Good times. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it's it's been it's been fun. It's been an honor, and um, kind of kind of excited to see what the next hundred brings on our way to uh, to a million downloads. All right. Have a great night, gentlemen. You too.